Welcome to episode 378 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent here as always, and it's very apropos that the 8 is the final number in this episode number because this is the 8th year anniversary of this podcast, or we're celebrating it, actually. The actual 8-year anniversary was about a month and a half ago now. We'll talk more about that here in a bit, but I need to let you know that we are celebrating 8 years by having Dime Store Riot on here, a brand new band out of the Tulsa area, who features four members that have either been guests on this podcast, had their music played on this podcast, talked about on this podcast, one way or the other throughout the years. All four members of Dime Store Riot have been involved in this podcast somehow. I'm going to talk about all that, talk about eight years, play some music, and of course get into this great interview with all four members of Dime Store Riot. But first, I need to let you know who we're sponsored by. And that would be DEB Concerts. Eight years of this podcast and DEB Concerts is the longest running sponsor here. They actually kicked off DEB Concerts not long after this podcast was started. I think probably about a year and a half. I've been bringing tons of great acts to the Tulsa area. Bands that probably wouldn't have been booked here if it wasn't for Doug and DEB. Such as Saxon, Last in Line, Bisto Blanco, Great White, Lita Ford. Buckcherry, Winger, Warrant, the list is great and long. They've also been booking acts at the arena level, such as Megadeth, Poison, Lamb of God, Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg. On top of all that, they also book the Roadhouse stage at Rocklahoma every year. And this year at Rocklahoma is no difference. No difference, excuse me, no difference. This year, the Roadhouse stage will feature headline sets from Skid Row, Buck Cherry Warrant is kicking off the party, actually. I mean, they're kicking off the pre-party Thursday night. That night also, I believe, feature LA Guns, I believe. And then, did I not say Kicks? This is pretty special, folks. If you haven't seen Kicks, every time I've seen them, or every time I've talked about them, I stress it how this is one of the finest live bands of the past 40 years. Age has, you know, deterred that, not in the least, but the point is, they recently announced that their final show is going to be up in New England, in the Baltimore area where they're from. I believe it's in September, maybe October, it's later this year, it's not long after Rocklahoma, so the point is, this set at Rocklahoma could stand to be one of their final shows for the foreseeable future, so that's someone you don't want to miss. So hit up rocklahoma.com. For tickets to that, hit up debconcerts.com for ticket info for all future announcements. And, of course, we keep you up to date with that here as well. Med Farm is a dispenser located in Broken Air, Oklahoma at 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They've got a drive through which is very convenient. So if you call, text, or email your order ahead of time, you can pull right through that drive through pick up your order, and be on your way. But you can also go in and check out their huge selection. You can check it out ahead of time at leafly.com. You can go in there and talk to one of their many knowledgeable staff that's on hand. They're always running deals. So if you follow them on their socials, you won't, you won't miss any of those. MedFarm on Facebook, that's P-H-A-R-M. On Instagram, it's MedFarmOK. The website is MedFarmOK.com. And if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. So don't forget to do that. And on top of all this, they are... Cannabis with a cause, 30% of their proceeds at all times go to build no-kill animal shelters. 
There's not another dispensary around here doing that. In fact, there's probably no business doing that. There's very few businesses that donate a third of their profits 100% of the time. So that right there is reason alone to come choose MedFarm because I know you have tons of options around this town right now. So hit up MedFarm and mention Thunder Underground. Finally, we've got Sunset Tattoo, a tattoo shop in Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done getting proper. They are state licensed. Most importantly, they are mother approved. Well over 25 years of experience from Jake Thompson and his staff there at Sunset Tattoo. You can check out photos of all their work, specializing in all different kinds of styles. Sunset Tattoo Tulsa on both Facebook and Instagram. There are tons of photos there. You can call or email to set up a time to get in there to talk about what work you want to have done. They also accept walk-ins and they're also great about helping you through if you're not sure exactly what you're looking for, but you kind of have an idea, sit down with Jake and let him help you. Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, we love you. Eight years running. Sunset Tattoo hasn't been a sponsor this whole time, but Jake is another person that's been a part of this podcast for the past eight years, whether he's been on it or not, because Jason and I, when we started this podcast, used to go to Downtown Lounge a lot, which Jake owned. We interviewed quite a few bands there throughout the years. We also just went and saw quite a few bands there throughout the years. I've asked Jake to be on there a couple of times, and he's always like, maybe, maybe not. I'm throwing that out there once again, because this man has tons of great stories. So there, there's another reason to go sit down and get a tattoo done. Talk to Jake about his experiences in the music world throughout his lifetime. That's uh, not just a single episode of a podcast. That's a whole damn podcast in itself. But yeah, with that being said, eight years, like I said, you know, in full transparency, let me state that this episode, I was planning to put it out a little over a week and a half ago. Last Monday was the date that I had planned to put this out. And in typical fashion, whenever I decide what day something is coming out, I edit it and put it together the night before, usually, at the last second, because that's the way I tend to do things. My goal was, Sunday evening, I'm going to put this together, put it out Monday. And for those of you who aren't from the Oklahoma area, might not know that that weekend, that Saturday night, a storm hit the Tulsa area with 100 mile per hour winds. It wasn't a tornado, it was just 100 mile, 100 mile per hour straight line winds. Caused tons of damages to a lot of people's vehicles, houses, trees, etc. And it also took out the power to, I believe it was over 200,000 homes and businesses in the Tulsa area. Mine, of course, being one of those homes. So the point being is that I did not get this put out when I planned to. And then I left town that Monday and has been gone since. So that's why... I'm telling you this just to let you know that I've already recorded all this once and talked about eight years, but I thought there's a couple things that I just wanted to be a little more, you know, current about, if that makes any sense. And here I'm just rambling about stuff that no one needs to know or even cares to know. But the point is, power's back. Everybody's happy again. I know that I messaged couple of them. I messaged Adam and CJ and let them know that it wasn't going to come out Monday like I told them. And Adam, you know, had mentioned he was in the same boat with power out. And I'm sure CJ, Paulette, 
and Brian might have been in the same predicament as well. Anyway, here we are. The point is, Dime Store Ride is here. First, let me tell you, eight years. I don't know what else to, you know, a lot. I want to go into a whole lot here, but towards the end of this interview, you know, the band kind of flipped it on me, asked me a couple questions about stuff throughout the years, which kind of plays into a quote-unquote anniversary episode. And like I mentioned up front, the actual anniversary is mid-May. You know, the anniversary of when we put the first episode out. The actual anniversary of this whole thing that we dubbed Thunder Underground is actually coming up on 30 years, which is fucking crazy. But <laughs> So to give you a quick background on that, around 90, 95 or 96, I need to look that up. I think it was probably late 95, but Jason and I started a fanzine which if you've been around a while, you remember those from back in the 80s, 90s, maybe even early 2000s, where you could go to your local record store, places like that, and pick up fanzines that people made. Some were better than others. Ours wasn't even a true fanzine. Basically, we just rough-shotted the whole thing. We just wrote stuff, printed it up in Microsoft Word, and then printed it out front to back on eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper and stapled it. So basically it was like a pamphlet. If that's not even a pamphlet or a, a stapled newsletter or a worksheet, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't know, but, and we actually did it at where I was working at the time, which was a baby furniture store in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I used their printer so I didn't have to use my own printer and ink at home. So I printed a lot of these and we would take it to Starship Records and Tapes in Tulsa. The original Starship, the blue and yellow in there on 11th Street that the University of Tulsa ate up. And then also Mohawk music, Buttons. That might have been it. I can't remember if we put it if anywhere else, like Sound Warehouse or CD Warehouse or any of those places. But that went on for a couple years, maybe every other month or so. And then kind of died off. And then early 2000s, we started, tried to, bring it back in a web presence, started a website, you know, back in the day when you could do free websites on GeoCities. Does anybody remember GeoCities? So we had a Thunder Underground website that was like a long ass, you know, like geocities.com, thunder-underground backslash homepage.html.com. You know, say, hey, <laughs> one of those weird ass long things that lasted maybe a year or two, who knows? And then it just kind of laid dormant for a while. And then probably at this point, maybe 10 years ago now, maybe, no, it was probably like 2011, 2012, Jason brought it up again. So, and I believe he first started an Instagram and then we started a Facebook page and we just started posting photos, doing some album reviews, you know, just typical music dork stuff. And then Jason kept mentioning that he was in the podcast and he kept mentioning a couple that I should check out. And I just kind of kept putting off because I didn't really listen to him at that point. And he kept telling me to check out Jamie Josta from Hatebreed, his podcast. I finally did. I really enjoyed it. Got into that. And a couple others. And he started mentioning, you know, we should do a podcast, even though neither of us had really any knowledge of podcasting or editing and that kind of thing. And I know that we would talk about it 
there was a couple of times we were hanging out on the porch of my house and my ex at the time, you know, was like, you really, you guys really should do this because all you do is sit around and talk about music anyway. So why not hit record? And, you know, she brought it up then Jason brought it up. And finally, one day I was just on a whim. I bought a microphone off of Amazon, a USB microphone that I could plug in my laptop. And we just started going and, you know, I probably cringed to listen at those first few episodes, how unnatural it sounded, but hey, everybody's got to start somewhere, right? And we kept that kept that going, just doing some episodes with our friends. And then the first one we did where it was an actual interview, we hit up Scott Squires and Jana Jordan Squires because we had known him from back in the day. You know, we still knew him, but it was a, you know, local artist that we knew personally from their days with Down for Five and Civil's Machine and of course, at that time, they had Octane Blue and Rocket Science. And nowadays, they also have Tulsa Music Stream, which is a video-based podcast that they do live. And they've had tons of great guests on there throughout the years. So te- check out Tulsa Music Stream if you get a chance. And actually, Nine from Dead Metal Society joined them later on, became a member of Tulsa Music Stream. And he was on here shortly after... They were, and interesting enough, Nine was the first person that we had on the podcast that neither Jason nor I I personally knew. So that was the first kind of interview with someone that we didn't have any history with. And then, I would say it was about episode, I should have looked the numbers up, but I think it was episode 17, was able to secure an interview with the singer of Battlecross, Kyle Gunther the lead vocalist for Battlecross. And we recorded that at the Canes. That was the first like touring artist that we had on the podcast. And actually, Justin Poole, who is Jason's cousin, has a very successful YouTube show called Egotastic Fun Time and Talking the Orville. So he had all this camera equipment, high quality camera equipment. And he thought, hey, this is your guy's first, you know, in-person interview with a touring artist. And he was also a big fan of Battlecross. So He said, let me record it. So he went with us and sat down and we recorded it. So it's also on video. You can check that out on the YouTube channel. It's still the only episode ever that was recorded on video completely. And it should probably stay that way. I don't know. Neither Jason and I were really that comfortable in front of the camera for stuff like that. I feel like if you look at it now, I feel like the interview went okay, but I just feel like it probably looks awkward. I haven't looked at that thing in a few several years. But the cool part of it is we had Kyle from... Battlecross on like three more times, had on Tony from Battlecross a couple times. The band has since disbanded here this past year, but hopefully they'll get back together in a future one day. And then episode 21, we had on Joey Allen of Warrant. That was the first artist that we had on that we grew up with. Someone that we were fans of since we were kids. Both Jason and I, Warrant was the first concert that we went to. So to be able to have on the guitarist of not only the first show we went to, but one of our favorite bands from when we were young, you know, it was a huge thing for us. And from that point on, it just kind of get, kept getting a little bit easier after we got a few names in there, you know, maybe within 10 episodes after that, we had on Kirk Winstein of Down and Crowbar, and then Wino from the Spirit Caravan, who's basically the godfather of doom metal with the Obsessed. And then it just kind of kept going through, you know, throughout the years from there on, you know, we had, we've had tons and tons of 
bands from the Tulsa and Oklahoma City and regional like Arkansas and Missouri area. And then tons of great artists that we grew up on and tons of new rock artists that we've discovered doing this podcast. You know, even though the podcast never took off to the level of being something that, you know, was a household name in the world of rock music, that's kind of irrelevant to me because this has exceeded any expectation I ever had because I got to sit down and do a Zoom call with Glenn Hughes, who I believe is one of the two greatest vocalists in the history of rock music, along with Mike Patton of Faith No More. I got to also do a Zoom interview with Michael Monroe of Hanoi Rocks, who is one of the most underrated musicians in the history of rock and roll. I got to sit down for an hour and a half talking with John Karabi, who if you've listened to this at any point, know how much I love that guy and his music. We got to go and sit down for like 20-25 minutes with Gene Simmons of Kiss, something that hundreds of thousands of people around this world pay a shitload of money to do, you know, and not even get 20 minutes, you know, they might get two minutes if they're lucky. So just stuff like that. And then getting interview bands like that, you know, I'm a massive fan of like seven dust and corrosion and conformity, white zombie prong. My favorite band of all time is guns and roses. Dizzy Reed has been on here. Don't want to ramble and keep rambling, but just the list of people that have been on here is still kind of hard for me to grasp at times just because, you know, we're just, me and Jason were just two rock and roll, you know, geeks, music nerds who just want to sit around and talk about it and interview some people when we got the chance. And it's really taken off. And besides all the fact, you know, of getting to interview someone like Jeff Tate or D. Snyder or R.J. Hell from Hellstorm, any of these guys, getting to interview local musicians, regional musicians, independent artists, has led to not just talking about bands and learning about unsigned bands' music. It's led to some many great friendships, which include this band that is on this episode right now. And there's many other in the Tulsa area. I'm not going to name names because I'm just going to leave people out because I don't have a list in front of me. But there are tons of artists in the Oklahoma, Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri area that Jason and I became friends with throughout the years and some very close friends and very good friends. And that's just something that would have never happened if we hadn't decided to start this podcast on a whim eight years ago. So I'm very happy about that. So I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Might think of something to say post-interview. But before we get into this talk about Dime Store Riot, I'm going to play you some music. And as you may guess, yep, that music is Dime Store Riot. Here is the debut single from Dime Store Riot called Coldest Winter.
Endless Winter from Dime Store Riot. That's their debut single. Came out a little over a month ago, about a month and a half ago. And as you're going to hear in this interview shortly, they've got more music coming very soon. Such a killer debut single. You know, we talk about it here in this episode, so don't need to talk about it too much, but it's got just such a cool groove. I love the fact that, you know, I mean, that's something that that CJ and Brian, their previous band they were in, Grind, you know, just had this great kind of rock and roll, hard rock, grooviness, borderlined on melodic, but this really pushes it over the edge with Adam's vocals. You know, Adam's a phenomenal singer. He is the original vocalist of Driver. That's something else I wanted to mention and forgot to when I was talking about eight years of the podcast. Once we started the podcast, Jason said, hey, let's go to the show at the Shrine. He said he just happened to Google Tulsa area bands or something to see what was coming up, you know, live music-wise. And that weekend, Driver was playing at the Shrine, along with Severmind, Shiner, and Blackwater Rebellion. All four of those bands ended up having members on this podcast at one point or the other, and Severmind of course, has been on every 100th episode. You know, here we are, 378, so it looks like we're 22 episodes away from Severmind more than likely being back. I would hope so, right? More on that 22 episodes from now. But Driver being one of those bands, members of Driver have been on this podcast throughout the years. Mike DiPetrillo has been on it several times. But Adam has never been interviewed on this podcast which I just thought was bizarre, but then he's also been kind of not out of the scene. He's been around. You always see him out, but he's been out of the scene as far as performing for six years now, and he's back. So it's perfect time. That Glad that I finally got him on here. Same thing with Brian, the drummer. You know, members of Grind have been on here several times, but Brian had never been on here, so I'm glad to finally get him on here. Paulette has been on here. This is her fifth time to be on this podcast. She was on here a couple times with Fist of Rage. She was on here another time with CJ when they were talking about a show they put on a few years ago called the We Are Tulsa Tribute, which they also talk about here in this episode coming up. And then Paulette was on the Donnie V episode, the original vocalist of Enough's Enough. She did that intro with me. And then actually, I guess we talk about, she's technically been on here six times, right? Because she was on the episode with Mark Torian of Bullet Boys, and she kind of walked into. <laughs> and then CJ, I wanted to point out, as he brings up in this episode, how many times had he been on his podcast, and I counted it up. This is his sixth time, which makes him tied with a couple other people as being on here more than anybody else outside of myself or Jason. And that would be Damon Johnson the vocalist and founder of Brother Kane. He is also the current guitarist in Leonard Skinner. He's also been in Thin Lizzy, Alice Cooper's band. Tons of great stuff throughout the years. He's been on here six times. Stacy Lane of Severmind and Bunnies of Doom has been on here six times. And now C.J. Pierce. Not C.J. Pierce. God dang where did that come from? He's been on here twice, by the way, from Drowning Pool. If you're a Drowning Pool fan, C.J. McClellan. This is now his sixth time on here. So there you go. 
And that's very appropriate for an anniversary episode, having someone who's been on here many times, I think. So very glad to get CJ and Paulette back and get Brian and Adam on here for the first time. Being able to talk about this killer debut single, Coldest Winter, talk about all the music they have forthcoming, how this band came together, all that great stuff. So let's jump into it. Here's CJ, Paulette, Brian, and Adam, Dime Store Riot. to the house all the time, never show, <laughs> invite you to the wedding, never show, you buy tickets to our debut show, Finish find out. something else better to do. <laughs> like, like, damn, damn this guy hates us nowadays, what happened? I thought we were homies. Hey, we're here now. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, this is like the, I'm going to consider this the eighth anniversary episode. So oh, my yeah? anniversary was actually last month, and I haven't done an nice. episode in two months. Yeah, I can't put one out since mid-April. So, okay, yeah. slacking. Yeah, pretty much because I've been home now like almost three weeks or two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So I could have easily done the top so I mean, there's only so many <laughs> Oprah reruns you can watch, Trent. Yeah, I know. Hey, I've been doing stuff. <laughs> I guess the first thing I want to say is welcome back to YouTube, and it's about damn time for YouTube. Yeah, Let's go. yeah, especially. Thinking, you know, something else I thought about was the the first show when me and Jason decided to start doing this podcast. The first show we went to was Driver. This was like maybe April of 2015. And we started the podcast like two weeks later. Yeah, we did that at Mike B's house, right? Um, or was it- No, I just meant the first show we ever went to. Just, oh, okay. Just, okay. We just went, oh, okay. like, one of the first show we ever went to. Once we started doing the podcast, we're like, let's go see some local bands that okay. we you know, haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And literally, it was Driver. It was that show? It was like Driver, Severmind, Blackwater Rebellion, and Shiner, That's, I think. Sounds, sounds about right, dude. Yeah. Thank gosh. No, I looked it up. All I can remember okay. was Driver. I <laughs> know. You, you, All his spare time. Wow. <laughs> My memory sucks, so. But I do remember the show posted for that one, so I do remember that. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so your first show back this past weekend. I know all you guys have been active throughout the years, but this is your first. Basically, your first time on on stage in six years. So for you, what was it like getting back on stage regardless of the situation, just finally being back up there? I mean, had to break the rust off a little bit, but, you know, it was was fun. We had a good time. I thought we we gelled as a band really well. The audience was really receptive. And, uh, you know, after being off for so long, I had had some, you know, setbacks in my mind a little bit. You know, how are they going to react? Is it going to go over well? I mean, I had a lot of nervousness, but not to where I couldn't do anything. It didn't paralyze me, but, you know, there was that part in my head that was like, hey, you know, this has to be perfect. You know, this has to be good. And CJ, he calmed me down a little bit. He kept coming to me and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I was like, I know. I know it's going to be fine. It's just, I had to get out of my head a little bit. But other than that, yeah, coming back, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Was it just nerves because it had been so long? I think so. I think so. I think just because, you know, my life kind of took a, another turn for such a long time, you know, 
a lot of things have happened over the last six years. So getting back into this, it's a, uh, you know, it's kind of veering off course again, going back into the, kind of the rock and roll side of life. So different. Go for the other three of you. What was it like getting up there for the first time in a new, new in situation? New uh, I was pretty nervous up until started putting everything, getting everything on stage. And then I was like, ah, oh, I've done this before. And, uh, I was just more concerned about making sure I didn't miss something in a song that is, they're still so new. And I'm, yeah. uh, so I'm like, I'm about 90% confident in all the songs, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Like that was the main things. Like I just wanted to have fun again. Because therefore, the last project it just turned into not fun, and so I missed that part. Just, just having fun. I could see it in your face. You were, yeah, just you to the fun. point where I was like, I got to a point where I was like, I don't even care if I mess up. And so <laughs> I was like, I just, I was just back there having, I had a smile. And yes, yeah, just having fun. Yeah. What about you? Oh, the same, the same. <laughs> it was a lot of fun being up there. Uh, I don't know if it's just the dynamics between like CJ and I, and then knowing the dynamics between CJ and Brian, and then Adam, who's just been like from the time that we've come together, he's been going and going, bringing lyrics, coming over to work on, you know, the harmonies between the two guys, and, and we've all just I, it, there's an energy here that it's it's indescribable. You just you just have to come see it. I saw it for myself the other night on stage. Between all of us, I thought it was great. And, and everything yeah. just seemed to like really be like just falling into place without really forcing anything, right. which, is, which is different. So that's nice. And you don't have to think too much on it. Just I think I think happen. I think we're ambitious, but not to the point of like we have to do all this stuff, you know, and and like push too hard. It's still. We want to get out there. We want to make a name for ourselves, but it's not like we're having to force anything. We're just kind of letting things happen and, you know, making plans and, and seeing if those plans can be, you know, come to fruition. I'm having to hold back. We're it's all going to be like, go faster. <laughs> yeah. That's my well, job. That's what I'm saying. We're ambitious, yeah. no, but not I, to the point of like forcing things. Exactly. I had a great time. You know, Brian, Brian and I played together seven years now. And so that is just very organic and natural and I know where he's going to be and I know I can anticipate his transition so if I know if he's going to you know be right with me or if, we're, if I need to switch and get on, on his vibe that's easy but it was it was a lot of fun to play with Adam and, and Paulette for the first time you know Paulette um, and I obviously have a lot of chemistry <laughs> um, really? I didn't know how that would play Surprise. you know sharing music <laughs> And yeah, my uh, musical chemistry. Right. We, uh, <laughs> right. It definitely was there, and it was a lot of fun uh, to be a part of. And I think the crowd, we heard a lot of feedback from the crowd that they really enjoyed seeing that dynamic. And, um, you know, Adam's such a tremendous singer. Just having him there on stage was really, really awesome to have, have, that, uh, have that, that pairing. And I think we'll just continue to grow as a band in that dynamic and, and those interpersonal interactions where we want, no matter where you look on stage, there's something to see, you know, somebody's entertaining. It's not just static movement and music coming your way, but we want you to be entertained 
no matter what direction you look. Yeah, and back back to that nervous question. Once we got to, or I got to the venue, just seeing all the familiar faces again, everyone just seemed like so excited. Like that, I was kind of un, I wasn't prepared for that. Like, like oh, we're so excited! Like, really? Like, <laughs> you're excited to see me? <laughs> like, okay. So once once like that started, hearing people say, "I can't wait this," or I, I heard you're single and I love it can't wait to hear it live and just getting the feet the positive feedback before the show really kind of like okay, I, can, I can breathe a little bit and then afterwards uh yeah i don't know about the rest of them but i got a lot of uh positive feedback just from people i didn't even know and or i, I guess i've met them before but <laughs> i don't know i see a lot of faces now i tend to don't do it on purpose, but yeah, I'm like, have we met? <laughs> oh my gosh, that reminds me of one of the, you know, Fist of Rage and Grind had played many shows together, several, and I'm sitting in the downtown lounge, and Brian, you were there, and I think that there were several of us getting ready to go see Shine Down. It was a concert, but I remember going, you look really familiar to me. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I know I know you. And you're like, I'm the drummer of Grind. Wow. And here we are now in a band. Yay! <laughs> I just blame it on old age. I'm like, ah. You know? Yeah, I had, I had a Facebook memory pop up like a day or two ago. I think April reposted it, but it was uh, like two years ago that I was getting ready for. I had all my summer concerts paid for, tickets were ready, and Grind was on the list of those. I was like, it's going to be a good summer. I'm going to see Grind's kicking off my summer festivals and then we're just going for it so that's pretty cool to, to go from there to now yeah seeing okay. you guys and then you're, and your summer started off shitty huh you're like that was a no. show no <laughs> that was that was actually a really good show it was a really good time that night but yeah cj disappeared on me i was like what how did you go i thought i thought you had left and then you were like over in the dark corner somewhere for like oh, yeah, the longest time. Know. I was like, he just left without even saying bye. Like doing vampire stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, good times, but you know, those were good times. But oh, yeah. These are good times too, and we're excited about what's coming and without a doubt. But it's been great, man. You should have been there, Trent. I know. <laughs> But thanks for well, buying some tickets. I mean, yeah. that's great. I mean, I said, what are you doing? We had a <laughs> we had a tremendous turnout for a debut show. You know, it was I think two twenty five paid and oh, uh, nice. in a three hundred person capacity venue. So yeah, we almost we, maxed uh, it out. We were excited about that, and um, I think that's a that excitement that Brian alluded to. I think it's 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 tangible. There are people were really eager to see what was going to happen with this group of four people coming together musically and. Um, we're excited too. So, I did want to mention that all the people I know that may be listening to this that did buy tickets that didn't come, we do appreciate you guys as well. I know that some of you guys couldn't make it for health reasons or other reasons, and I may not have reached out to you personally, but I do appreciate that you did support us in that way. So, I just wanted to make that known to them. It's true. Yeah, yeah. there's several that I can think of that. For whatever reason, yeah, I'm sure. not looking at you, Trent. <laughs> but <laughs> <or> whatever, <laughs> but did make it a lot. They did support the band, bought merch, or you know, did something like that online. So that's cool. That's awesome. Well, I feel like I need to ask this since we're recording. 
I'm, I assume you two figured I would ask. You can say no comment, but <laughs> we're sitting here, I assume, because Grind doesn't exist anymore. That's why this band exists. Right. Is that yeah. something you want to talk about? Or? Well, sure. I mean, okay. I uh, I don't know if Grind it doesn't exist anymore, but Grind with, with me doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, it just... It was just ran its course, you know what I mean? It just we grind us together seven years, and I think we had some tremendous experiences together, some great opportunities. I think we we did some things that really no local Tulsa band has done, and some of the achievements that 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 band accomplished. And you know, I'm very proud of the, the time that that we were all in that together. I think we learned, or I learned, that grind was those four guys you know when we tried to start bringing in other folks really i think accelerated the uh the decline of grind in my opinion um but you know we uh we're ass course and so you know no hard feelings i wish those guys the best and um they decide they want to go on and do other things in 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 the tulsa music you know scene man more power to them but uh when Brian said he he was still agreeable to continue to play music, uh, I got real excited because I knew that would really help this band get off the ground quickly because we had that dynamic already and already knew Paulette was going to be a part of it. It was just really about not you know finding that that fourth person. But um, you know I don't want to speak for Brian. I don't know he might have other thoughts about the the closing the chapter there or not. But that's from my view. You know? Yeah. It, <clears throat> like you said, it's just a for a long probably last year and a half of it for me anyway. I just felt like it just it ran its course, and I didn't feel like there was any place else to go. It, you know, it just, just felt like we were just kind of beating a dead horse, playing the same stuff, same places. You know, all that. Not that not that it was bad. It just there was no. I didn't feel like there was any growth, so, um, but it was a, a relief to kind of call it quits, and so, but yeah, if they continue to do something with it, uh, best of luck, so. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, Grind was, was full of four very strong and distinct personalities. And the reality is, I always felt like, I don't know, Brian, if you would agree, I always felt like Grind was almost always ready to break up. I mean, <laughs> maybe the public didn't see that. We were we were close friends, but there was always this, like, this could go off the road at any second, you know, kind of, which made for some interesting dynamics that, in my mind, helped that band do what it did. But, um, you know... It's like a skateboard going down. Like you're going smooth, and then that one little rock gets in the wheel, and and then just boom. Like, but hey, you're both big fans of Molly Crew, you know. So maybe I just uh, yeah. <laughs> you like I've that got, dysfunction, you know. I've got nothing but you know good memories, yeah, and that's what I'm going to walk away with. Is just the, the the good memories, and and thanks for the good times, and oh, it's definitely like memories that I'm going to have with me for the rest of my life and so many stories to tell uh probably not on a podcast or for the public but just a lot of good times man it was it was a lot of fun and then i mean it was for me it was like an 
like that experience of a marriage, but it's not you're married. It's like you're married to these three other people, and it's like, oh, good day, good day, good week. And like I never want to see that person again. So, <laughs> well, on the formation of this band, I kind of figured it was either one of two things: like you two deciding to start something new, or you two deciding to start something. Yeah, and bringing in Adam and everything. So, how did the where did the seeds for this start? With Paulette and I, and she had known like when when things were like were great with grind. She was there to see kind of the peaks of that. And when maybe I had my doubts as to whether or not grind would continue. I mean, there were times like I said, I just thought I was just waiting for someone to quit. You know, and I think <laughs> what happened is no one wanted to be that person, so it just kind of continued on until I was like, all right, I'm that person. I'll pull the straw. But so she had known my frustration and we had talked about doing, you know, hey, if, if, if this doesn't work out, if, if, if this folds, you know, I'd like to play music with you. And so we had had that conversation. And when it became clear that that was happening, you know, her and I had a conversation like, okay, you really going to do this with me? And I gave him several outs. <laughs> I gave him several outs so he could choose another bass player. But, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And from the outside looking in, Adam, it doesn't seem like it's been six years that, you know, you haven't been with Driver. But also from the outside looking in, it's taken six years for CJ and I to put music together. So I believe that it ran its course with you so that way you'd be ready when him and I were ready. That's a, that's an interesting way to look at it like that. Yeah, I didn't know if I was like my thought was like, well, if something happens with grind, like, I don't know that I'm gonna play like I'll still play like by myself, but I didn't know if I was gonna ever be in another group and so yeah. Brown was you know, of course I called Paulette, you know, she knew what was going down when it went down in terms of the decision that I I decided that I need to make for myself. But Brian was the first other grind member that I called. And I had talked to her. I'm like, I'm going to ask BT. I hope he wants to continue to play. And so when I called him and said, hey, this is happening, I did get a sense of relief from him. I was just like, oh, God, thank God. I'm not the one that has to quit. <laughs> well, you, you're the, you, can be, you can wear the black hat. So, I'm like, okay. like, so like years ago, we I... Like, I was, there was a lot of frustration, and I had a come-to-Jesus meeting, and it didn't go all the, like I had hoped it would. It just, like, it went downhill real quick, and I was like, I'm not going to pull the trigger a second time. <laughs> so. <laughs> so when he said he was on board, I was, like, ecstatic, because I knew yeah, that that would accelerate this band's development very quickly. Instead of having four people that have never played together in a room, you know, you got him and I that are very in sync in terms of playing together. So I knew that was going to be a huge advantage for the band. And we had some 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 song ideas that we had kind of been kicking around, but really had never really gone, gone anywhere. And so I knew we had some rough material to start working with. And so then it was a matter of who's going to sing. And, you know... Um, if I was a great singer, that would have been the end of it. But I'm not a great singer. Um, so we put out, you know, some feelers and asked for anyone interested in being part of a band. And we got several responses. And uh, I'll just say that I sent 
Adam was one of those responses, and we had talked with Adam for years about. Um, yeah, I'll get into that after he gets done with his. What I'll just say in terms of before I turn over to him is yeah. like out of all why we're well, okay, we're trying to set up these hey, and this all went down around Thanksgiving, right? So we're in the holiday season, so we're really not trying to do nothing because everyone's doing stuff with the family. But I sent one song idea to several of these singer prospects just to see what they would say and respond. Is this something you might be interested in? And within like a few days, a few Adam days. came back with a song that he wrote over the top of it. You know, and I was like, wow. Yeah, and sent it back to <laughs> And us. it's great. Yeah, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's what we're doing today. It's one of the songs. And so, you know, when January came along, you know, we kind of prodded like, okay, we got to get all these singers together and try them out. And none of them had really done anything in terms of really putting forth any effort. And I'm like, this song's good. And Paulette and I are basically like, this guy's excited about doing something. And he put the time in to actually write a song to something you sent him. Pretty much, fuck the mother dudes. We're not even going to have any of them come over. So now There's one of them, I'm not going to throw out any names, but one of them had been on a bigger bill before, right? Bigger band. Yeah. And yeah, so we even looked up to him because of his you know no disrespect you know but you know it's if this wasn't something that they were as excited about right. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anyone no, but no on the flip side if you're not really excited about it equally like we were and right. obviously he was you know that was a huge like tipping point for me it, yeah it was a and so I already knew the guy could sing it wasn't like can the guy sing I'd saw him in Driver so I knew he, he could sing but, you know, and then it was Kenny Wright. And he, he, already, he already showed us. He wrote us a song to an idea that we had. So it was just getting the four of us in a room. I don't know what, what you got on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. That <clears throat> um, was my thoughts out here. Okay, so, yeah, I, I've known CJ for years and years. I think the earliest Facebook memory that I have was about nine years ago. I saw them uh at Rum Runners. We played a show at Rum Runners together. So I've known him since then. And then, but I've been talking with him off and on, usually at Rocklahoma or out at, you know, bars or clubs or whatever. And he always would come up and be like, man, we should do something together. Now he's been saying this. And every time, <laughs> he's been saying this for at least two years. And every time I see him and Paulette, you know, it's a party atmosphere. It's always Rocklahoma and we're just, out there, you know, just drunk and having a good time. And I never take it serious. I never took it seriously. I was like, they're drunk. They just, you know, talking. Because I get a lot of people that do that. They're like, oh, we should do something. We should do something. And then I never hear anything back from them. But he's been very adamant. Every time I see him, you know, we've never really, like, hung out before all this. You know, we see each other out, but never, like, hang out and do anything. But every time I see CJ I go, man, we should do something. We should do something. Well... Paulette pushed it <laughs> because he'd been saying that. And then Paulette's the one's like, Hey, are you wanting, she messaged me on messenger and said, Hey, are you really wanting to do something? And I was like, yeah, but you know, see, I want to know that I'm wanted, you know, I'm, I'm not going to like put myself out there, you know, for like to get my heart broken basically. But she was like, yeah, message CJ. And I did. And, uh, and then they sent me that song and everything. So, He's been saying this for years, but I never took it seriously because every time we were like drinking and, you know, people just get loose when they're drinking. And I, 
you know, so many people have, have come at me before and never followed through. I was like, okay. So, you know, this is what I've been waiting for. This group right here is what I've been waiting for. This is why every other opportunity failed. This is why everything else didn't work out. This is the, this is the moment. So, well, actually, (laughs) that was one of my questions was I assume over the past six years or five and a half years before you guys got together. There's been opportunities. I, I was, assume with your voice, people would hit you up. I was morning. inundated with yeah. with messages from people, especially right after you know everything with Driver. I mean, my inbox was flooded with opportunities, and it, it was like getting out of a marriage. You know, I, I look at it that way. I wasn't ready to date again. You know, I had absolutely was not ready yet. So I put a lot of those like, yeah, you know, I'll put this on the back burner for now. I don't think I'm really quite ready to do anything yet, and I did that for a long time. Uh, just kind of put people off for for a couple of years. And then there was uh, some people that posted things on Facebook and I actually responded to it, to some of the, the stuff. And I got left on red and I was like, okay, well, that's not where I'm supposed to be. So I just continued on and kind of did my own thing. And and then finally this happened and, and it felt right. It's It feels right. Um, these are good people. I can rely on these people. So that's uh, that's how I feel about that. You know, the first time we jammed, we played we played the one song that we all knew, <laughs> which was this song that he had written, right? Or on top of the the music that I had, had sent him. And uh, we probably played it like three or four times in a row just because it's the only damn song. <laughs> <laughs> And him and Paulette go out for a smoke break, and Brian and I looked at each other. You remember that? And we're both like, holy shit, this guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we knew right then that this was going to be good. Well, then that's kind of, because you mentioned chemistry earlier between you two, between them two. Like how instant did you feel it was when Adam came in for any of you guys? Pretty fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As far as anything in rehearsal space, I had no idea what to expect when we were going live on stage. But as far as us just hanging out and bonding, man, Adam, Adam, it's almost like he's been craving the extended family, you know. And so when we have get-togethers, Adam's there, Adam and April. You know, they show up. He's mm-hmm. brought his kids over to swim. Um, Brian and, and Teresa are always invited to you, and we... I don't know. We bond well. We all get along pretty well. <clears throat> Which is very important. Mm-hmm. We saw like one of the early rehearsals, um, totally unscripted, with the, as the song ended. I just kind of ripped into this like this impromptu guitar solo, and then he just like ch- changed what he was doing and soared these vocals over oh, the top gosh. of it. And yeah. that's we were all like, okay, yeah, <laughs> whoa, what was that? You know, and I think. For me, and I think Paulette and I had that conversation. It was kind of like that was one of the moments. Like, okay, this is you made the right. This is, this is gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's kind of another thing. You know, the music. I know both. You, you know, your bands grind, Mister Rage. The vocals are a lot different than what he brings. Was that mm-hmm. something you were looking for, like a higher melodic thing, or did it just kind of you heard him and you're like, this is what we want when you heard it? Um, I, I mean. I've always thought Adam's a great singer, and I've always respected him. I didn't know how it was going to work because I'd only heard him in Driver, and I've, I've, I've seen him sing at karaoke and knew he had a tremendous voice. What I didn't know is how versatile he could be. 
No, Neither I, did I. Yeah, I wanted, you know, <laughs> I wanted to be able to do a little edgy stuff, and I wanted to be able to do a little, you know, maybe things with some grit on it. And I think he's done a great job of showing that he's very versatile. One of the new songs that we've written, "I'll Be Damned," I think is a very versatile vocal track. So. You know, when we get that recorded, I think folks will definitely be able to see a side that maybe they hadn't seen in terms of, of some of his vocal performances. So I wasn't sure what we wanted, you know, but once once we had him in there, it was like, All right, this has got to be the guy. Frankly, there are no two songs in our band that sound the same. So you hear a different vocal ability. <clears throat> in each song from Adam. That was the feedback I was getting at the show. Like, it's not all one-noted. It's yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I noticed early on as, like, each song progressed. Uh, something that... Uh, the reason I like Alice in Chains so much is they're so... They can do a wide variety of styles, but it still sounds like them. And... Kind of with grind, it was kind of that way. Like we could do something super heavy and then slow it down to something really, you know, go play something acoustic, and then there's everything in between. So in this, I feel like it's kind of the same way, and that I just love that. I just love that part of it. Is you get this wide variety of things to pull from. So uh, you know, if we wanted to write more heavy stuff we're capable of doing that if we want to write something specifically for an acoustic album we can do that too you know i i don't feel like there's a lot of uh, local bands that are able to pull that off you know it's kind of a you know you hear acdc you've heard one song you've heard them all type of thing i didn't want to be that so that's something very cool Well, speaking of chemistry, I mean, there's a lot to be said for a great rhythm section. Like, how quickly did you feel you two mesh playing together? Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, talking about nerves earlier, I wasn't nervous getting on the stage with them. I was nervous showing up for the first time we all rehearsed together. So I was like, <laughs> oh. I did, I did notice that. She, she had this <laughs> the deer in the headlight <laughs> look. <laughs> or the photo shoot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the first practice, like, we were all four together. She did have this, like, I don't even know how to play bass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but it, like once we started playing, it just it, it, like I said, is everything just kind of fell into yeah. place. So yeah, that was that was, cool. that was good to see. Yeah. That makes my job easier, <laughs> right? Because if I don't have to worry about where they are, if she's locked in with him, I know where he's going to be, and so that and I know Adam can not only expect what I'm going to do, but if I go impromptu, I've seen him ad lib and do something to top that. It allows me to do a lot of stuff, you know, in terms of spreading glitter and, <laughs> you know, shine bombs all over the, the top of it. And uh, so that's really cool. It's really, it's really, there's a lot of freedom. I think that I hope every member in this band feels because that's how I feel like you have so much confidence in one another. I can like push the boundaries a little bit and know that everyone's going to be there when you need to be at the two or the four or the one and the three or 
you know, the, the stop, you know, you have confidence that they're going to be where they need to be. So that's kind of like how, and it's nice with that, this short period of time we've been together, I feel like we can link up fairly quick. Um, and then I'm able to hear little things that she does and kind of play off that. Um, and I was a little worried, honestly, because with JD, it was, it was just like, kind of like me and him. It just I just knew I didn't have to think about it. And then there was a, there was a point where JD left and we brought someone else in. And uh, not that it was a bad thing. It was just, I don't, I never felt that connection, you know, that rhythm connection, like before. And uh, I was like, man, I hope it's not going to be one of those issues where we just don't it, it's I didn't want to be magnets and it's just a push thing so no it's been it's been great yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be back <laughs> when you guys first started you know writing or playing was there any kind of focus on what you wanted it to sound like I know you've already mentioned a lot of songs had different styles but was it just kind of you just start playing guitar and think this is the way we're going or when Adam well, came in it's kind of you know, I'm I'm like the Rolodex of riffs, so yeah. it's like <laughs> here's 28 riff ideas. What which ones catch your fancy? You know, it's kind of like that. And there were there were a couple right off the bat. I'm like, I really like these, which are some of the songs that we've started with. And then I, you know, there's still a lot. The next group of songs, you know, it's like what are the songs that really compel you guys to like have some inspiration. And one of the new songs that we're writing wasn't even on that list. I was just kind of jamming it in the rehearsal space one day. And, and Adam was like, what's that one? I can write to that. You know, so it's it's that's kind of the approach right now. And here's some ideas. Which are the ones that really spark the, the immediate emotional response? You know, like I hear something with that, particularly with him. Because if he's going to be the primary melody lyric writer, then he needs to be able to connect with it. And it's not like we're going to have a shortage of material. You don't like these five? Well, here, here's six more, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of been the approach. It's just to like push stuff to them, play it in front of them in rehearsals to see what kind of gets a reaction and then take that and start building on it. So that's, that's been the approach so far, whether that's the long term, you know, solution. I don't know. You know, maybe we'll, we'll come with some better more focused because it's a little scattered, but that's just kind of how my brain works. I don't think we ever sat down and we're like, we, we were going for this sound. It's just CJ came up with some, some licks and then, you know, had, we played around with them and then they've given me total freedom to do what I want to do as far as lyrically and, and melodically. And, and that's worked so far. I mean, it's been good. The, the songs have come out really well. CJ is really good at writing choruses, I've found. <laughs> and what he does when he writes a chorus, it inspires me to be able to build the song around the chorus. So a couple of songs he's written choruses for, and they're really good. And I was just able to kind of build it and get an idea, kind of a flow of where to go with that song. So that has kind of worked out in our favor, I think. So. It's been real interesting to watch the creative flow and the writing process on these songs, though, because, like, again, 
the song submission that we had sent out to a few of the vocalists. I don't even think it was 30 seconds, was it? It wasn't very long. Maybe was a minute it, and Maybe a, half. a minute. Okay, a minute and a half. <laughs> but um, when we, the very first rehearsal from the split minute of what Adam sent back to us, and then we walked into the rehearsal pad not really knowing what was going to come out from any one of us, and we started playing just that song. And I, you know, we've got a stay, we've got a number one hit by the time that <laughs> first song finished, just blew my mind. Like, what just happened here? And every time, you know, CJ will come with a riff, and if we all pick it up, Adam's right there. He's like, I've either he's got an idea already for the lyrics, or he's like, you know, what are you thinking? What do you hear here? And you know, CJ might hum something, and then the next day, Adam's like, okay, I've written, I've written the whole song. You guys ready? <laughs> and honestly, that first song, as we wrote more songs, I felt like that was more one of our weaker songs, you know, in, in what we have right now. But, it, you know, I, I take that back a little bit because at the show the other night, I was approached afterwards and somebody told me and they were shaking and like, you know, they were like, that really like that song touched me. And I was like, oh, wow. I dig it. Like, it's called I, it's, Hold On, if you're curious. Yeah, it's funny because it, <laughs> they I, were getting goosebumps. I tried to, I tried to get by, VT to buy into that riff for years, and he just never would bite on it. <laughs> but we it's fought, beautiful. Whatever. It's now beautiful. it works. So you know, pretty. it's just it really a, it, this song. was the timing for it, I guess. I think I think as we flesh it out through the recording process, kind of how yeah. we did everything else, I think. It'll come to it'll it'll come to fruition. I think it'll even become more yeah. than what it is through that process, and, and it'll be a really good song for for everybody else to hear once it's completed. And I mean, I'm sure it'll kind of keep the same everything, but it'll be better, and you'll be able to hear it in its entirety and, and fullness of what it should be once we record it. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell when he's not into it, and if if he's not into it, then the song's not gonna be any good. <laughs> That's <laughs> just the truth. Yeah. But when he finally he's like, okay, I've connected with this, then I'm like, okay, this is this is about to get good. So I'm glad he finally came around. You need to listen to me, BT. <laughs> I'm just not. Hey, it. it took a while because it was it meant did. for us. Okay, yeah. right on. You know? Yeah, he was just holding on for that. He was holding. Ooh, oh, look, look at that! Nice, nice segue. <laughs> so when you're writing lyrics, do you are you inspired by music, or do you are you always writing? I got a notebook full of. I don't. Stuff I, I go off off the hill. I just kind of. I get an idea, and an idea becomes a seed in my mind, and then kind of like the branches of the tree form off of that seed, and that's pretty much how I can kind of describe it. But I have to have the seed, so that's what's so good about having him write a chorus because he kind of helps develop that seed, and then it can grow into all, everything else from there. That's I like pretty much that. how I write. I write best when I'm angry. That's just the truth. Well, that years ago I would write. Years ago I would write. You know, I would get high. I would, you know, marijuana, and uh, and uh, write under that a little bit. But that's that's not something that I have to do anymore. I, you know, I just kind of get in a space, get alone by myself, and just kind of let things flow. And I might have. 10 ideas come out of, of what I'm doing. And then I just kind of gradually, I just kind of gradually take those ideas and go, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Let's, and even some things that I've written now, there are some things that I'm still not a hundred percent sure on. So 
you know, there may be some small rewrites here and there, but once it's recorded, it's it's in stone. So I've still got time to kind of, you know, mess around with a couple of wordings and stuff like that if I need to, just to make it flow better. So you're not one of those people that'll think of a great line where you're driving down the road and jot it down and use it later? I do that. No. no. I do that all the time. So some of the stuff that he says maybe I've, I've shared with him or fed him as, as possible ideas. Feed me, Daddy. No, he's been great because I... And I'd say, like, here's my idea. You don't have to keep all of it. Exactly. You don't have to keep any of it. But here's what I hear. And it's been a good blend. He may keep a line or two or... Yeah, just... like in I'll Be Damned. I mean, he, he had a, a full chorus written. And I went back and I looked at that. And it was good. It flowed well. But I wanted to put my own take on it as well. So I, I kind of rearranged it, rewrote a little bit. Just enough to put my, my flavor on it. And then, you know, we shipped it, so... Oh my God! You put more than just your flavor on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made the lyrics mean. Holy cow! A lot of times, I want to make the lyrics mean something to me because they'll be more memorable to me when I'm singing them. Right. I'll put more feeling into something that I'm passionate about, you know, as opposed to something I don't care about. So, you know, that that helps in that writing process too to have something that you, you know, you care about and be able to kind of vocalize that. Funny story, I know we keep talking about this song because we're kind of excited about it. So we are. It's recent one we've worked on. But good feedback. It was a possible band name. Yeah. I'll Be Damned. Oh, really? Yeah, it was in the finalist. <laughs> so after we went through all the, all, of, all the process to pick a band name in terms of what we're going to pick, the ones that didn't get picked were like, Keep song some of these for song titles because yeah. yeah. some of them were awesome. And this, it's funny to me, this ended up turning into a song title. Yeah. And so a lot of people are probably wondering. There, people have always asked me since this has started, how'd you how'd you guys come up with your band name? So we we had a whiteboard and we put it on the wall. Got a nice whiteboard, brand new. And we started. Everybody brought what four or five? Was it four? Or as five? many as you wanted. Well, so, but it was like four or five, right? Brought like oh, he brought. Like <laughs> so Brian, Brian brought like a bunch. So we all put the, the band names we thought were cool or whatever we wanted to be. Everybody had input. So we brought them into practice, and then we sat there, and we stared at them. We looked at them, and then we started kind of going through a process of voting. Everybody got five votes. We got five. We got, oh yeah, we, got, we got five votes each, yeah, and we put a dot out beside there. the ones that we liked the most. And then, you know, my Why favorite, we had, we had, we had one. everything that didn't have a vote. So, but, okay. but and we started had, whittling it down. We had a name before that that I really, really thought was cool. I thought it was... Uh, I was like, he this was is all, it. He put all his I was like, this is the name. I'm behind it 100%. And the name was Huzzy. And I thought it just had a ring to it. It was short. It was sweet. How could you mess it up, you know? And then we get through the voting process, and CJ won't, won't even It was, my, it was, it was his name. It was his name, and he wouldn't and I didn't vote for it. didn't vote for it. <laughs> I was so behind that name. She was like, we had to look into the, you know, the connotation of, like, what are people going to think when they, when they say and we don't, we have a female member of our band. We don't want that to, you know, kind of represent her poorly. So I think that was kind yeah. of the consensus but of hey, that name. But it was a great any name. Any all girl bands, if you steal that name, I won't hate you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good name. But, a good but name. we went through a voting process and we came down to and, and a couple of different names. But the, the final, I guess, iteration of the name actually the beginning of it wasn't dime store ryan it was dime store lucy 
And then somebody, I don't remember what the other name was. Do you remember? Like Love Riot. Love Riot was one of the other names. So we took kind of a combination of those and we put Dime Store and put the Riot on the end of that. And, we, and then we all kind of came together. And I was like, well, there was a couple left. And I was like, I don't want any of these other names. <laughs> I was like, I'm putting my, I'm so putting my right. money on Dime Store Riot and I'm going to try my best to get everybody behind me on this because these other names I ain't for. So <laughs> then there's always, the morning. The yeah. second guessing. <laughs> and you're like, wait but, a minute. Like, we're about to I tried to get a revote. <laughs> no. It's about, uh, here's the thing. When we finished voting, we all put our hands into we a did. circle. And we said, this is it. No going back. And we and I woke that up was the it. next morning like, yep, sounds great to me. <laughs> well, I was starting to think, well, maybe it should be either go back to Dinosaur Lucy or I'll be damned. I started going, man, maybe we should have done I'll be damned. That was a great name. But... We were like, we all shook. It's done. Yeah. So yeah. they held me accountable to my handshake. So yep. I was like, all right. <laughs> That's the way we have I'll to operate. <laughs> and with those three-word names, you can always go with the initials when you want as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't know. I mean, how people are going to react to The reaction has been actually awesome. Except for Donnie Rich. <laughs> I've always said call us, What does he call us? The Dollar, Jor- the dollar General <laughs> Cash Grab or something. Oh, <laughs> that was Jeremy that... <laughs> Started that, wasn't no, it? No, well, Donnie has come to Harrington's bits said something. You might need to cut this out. <laughs> Jeremy, he blasted it, so. <laughs> I've always said the band makes the, the name. The name doesn't make the band, so. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the, the way I've looked at it. Because Corn's a stupid name. Yeah, there's a lot of stupid names. There's there. a lot of idiotic names that actually. Guns and Roses, if you brought that up right now, you'd be like, what? Right. Do you remember back in the 90s where bands were naming themselves after having so many syllables? Three to four syllables. So like Mother Love Band. Big Todd. That's how Benny's Little Weasel came to be. Is that naming convention as Jason Woodland told me. He just wanted to have a band that was kind of like you know? Because yeah. I was like, what is this name about when I joined them? <laughs> Same when he told me. Well, you know, it's the 90s and I wanted a band named that Fit that kind of thinking. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense, but. Yeah, and there was that whole period with all those metal. Weasel, yeah. all those metal I guess we just did it too. Every, <laughs> these, every time I die, like all these yes. long titles. Yes. Emo titles. <laughs> yeah. On metal bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking so I of, wanted something where I didn't have to repeat myself every time. Like, what was it? Like, yeah. Like, grind. That's metal grind. <laughs> what is it? The grind? No, not the. It's just, you know. One of the things I like about it so far is like, so marketing this band versus marketing grind. There's no other band out in the universe that we have found that's called Dime Store Riot. Mm -hmm. There were other bands, you know, like in the Philippines, another thing called Grind or The Grind. And that's still something that we deal with with Fist of Rage. There's another Fist of Rage off in Europe, and there's a Fists of Rage here in the U.S. somewhere, and we're always being um, mislabeled with those two bands. But that is, it is frustrating. But yes, there is no other Dime Store Riot out there right now. But whoever owns DimeStoreRiot.com, come talk to us. <laughs> like We'd like to have your domain name. <laughs> well, speaking of Fist of Rage, I mean, this is like, I'm basing this off of the one song I know, you know, Coldest Winter. I mean, this isn't near as heavy as what I know you from. So is this like, you know, what's it like playing something a lot less heavier? Is it like easier? Is it like, I mean, I don't know, not easier. Just does it feel more natural? Does it feel like 
you feel like it's not heavy enough at times or what? You know, <laughs> so I am. I'm a little bit more in the spotlight playing lighter stuff because there's a lot more air to fill versus, you know, just... <laughs> and we did I'll Be Damned, and it's very welcoming to me because you get into this groove. <laughs> Versus some of the other songs where, you know, and CJ's had to work with me on putting in fills in, in, in different places. And it's exciting on one aspect because where I, I, I was raised country. So to come up country and then into a hippie disposition <laughs> with my friend Love where we just played hippie music. And then into metal and now into, I don't really know what, how we categorize ourselves just Just rock and just rock. rock. Cold it's a lot of fun, man. I'm getting to experiment with our sound, so and She's the guys are open with that, so that's been a lot of fun. Coldest winter salsa, man. This is it's like bump, bump, bump. Yeah, there's two different things happening in there. Well, three or four different things. Then you put some distorted guitar to it, and then you go. It's it's a heavy rock song. But if you if you narrow that thing down. It's dance music, man. It's like so. I think she's done a great job transitioning, and you know, Fist Rage is one of my favorite local bands. You know, they they're definitely heavier than what we're doing. You know, there's no doubt about that. So it's been awesome to 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 play together and to kind of go back and forth in terms of of, of sharing. You know, the things that she's been used to doing, the things that we're trying to do here, and, and just watching that dynamic really blossom. I think it's been awesome. And I've been under the crutch of having, you know, Fist didn't start with two guitar players, but we've got Lincoln in there now. And so I've been under the crutch of having that second guitar player over there filling in rhythm section with me. So to get stripped of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my favorite bands are like, you know, Van Halen and Led Zeppelin. They were one guitar band. So yeah. to me, it doesn't sound void of anything. It really doesn't. It doesn't. But you got to have a bass player that can play with the drummer to fill that space. And I think she's done a great job. I like the dynamic of a, of a four-person band. I do, too. I think over five, honestly. You may lack a little, little bit on the sound, but, like, it looks good on stage. It's symmetrical, everything, I think. And... You know, I think we have good chemistry together. So, well, true sermon in my veins. When we started this band, I had thought about bringing a fifth member in, another guitar player, and we, because um, I was a little apprehensive about whether or not one guitar was enough. Some Especially of the with me and his ear going. Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure about me? She was used to playing with a fifth. Isn't it? I was used to playing with another guitar player. You know, Dell played guitar and, and, and grind and, and filled a lot of space with that. So I've never I've never played guitar by myself in a band. You know, all my favorite bands are that, but I've never done it. So ended up being a, a, a question mark for a minute until we got in the room together. And then I was like, nope. we, can, we can do this. <laughs> yeah, we can do this. And, and I can take up some of that slack too. I just, I, at this point, we were at a point to where we need to write this music. We need to get a product out. We want to get out as quick as possible. That way we're not, you know, we want to get out by spring basically. So we could push the music, but you know, I can play guitar. So it's just a matter of getting the practices in and stuff like that. So I could be the fifth member, if you will. <laughs> 
So I, that option's there, but we're doing a great job as is as a four piece without me having to be on the guitar. But I think that would add a little extra layer if we decide to go that route. So we'll see what happens. Which is one of the, I only got to play guitar of a driver like one time on uh, Kane sh- uh, one Kane show that we played for one song. So <laughs> it was a dream of mine to really be able to play guitar on stage as well. And I got to fulfill that dream one time, but of course, you know, it wasn't enough. I'd like to do it again. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll Does that come out. natural to you, playing live? You know, you're used to being a singer. You know, I think it, with enough practice, anything can be natural to you. You yeah. know, you just got to put the time in and put the effort and the work. So, yeah. Well, you guys put out Coldest Winter right a month ago. Mm-hmm. Like, what What have you heard from people? Oh, we're already playing in Brazil. I don't know if you know the wet nose in Brazil. <laughs> Yeah, it's been good. Um, we're overseas. You know, now everything is so driven by streaming services, and Spotify makes it hard for a new band to get really wide dissemination because you you can't really uh, pitch your song to them for playlists unless you're a verified artist. And you can't be a verified artist until you have a song release. So it's kind of this catch-22. So you re- we release a song, and then you're playing catch-up, trying to push it as much as you can. So we're, we uh, we released it mid, mid-March. mid We're right about 30 days. Not March. Mid-May. We're right about 30 days in. I wanted to give it you know a good run to try to get it out there as, as well we can before we release the next, you know, couple rounds of songs. But the reception's been good. You know, I, we, we, uh, I think the first weekend we released it, we were on KMOD. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't suck. You we know, the first. KMOD. Then the cat. cat. Then we're on the cat, like, not far after, behind that. Like so, yeah, that's pretty cool um, to, to, to immediately get, get that kind of support. And, um you know, I'm biased. I think the song kicks ass. You know, it's something different, and it's not just your everyday kind of sound. And uh, I think it's new and fresh. We've we've gotten feedback that it's a mix of some retro and modern sounds, and uh, the comparisons uh, of, of bands that it reminds me of or, or reminds listeners of have been very favorable. You know, things like Mammoth and Alter Bridge, mainly because of this guy. Yeah, because of his vocals, but um, I'm in, you know, if we're compared with, with bands that are modern rock bands that are very active, I think that's a cool thing. Agreed. We have we have several songs ready to go, and we're still trying to wrap up this album that we want to put out, but we're so excited about the music. I am biased, too. I think every single one of our songs is a radio hit. I think they're all ready to be in the top ten. And <laughs> so, so we're just ready to get it out there. But at the same time, you know, we want to be reserved. And yeah. We want to. You got to hold back and release it, yeah. you know, slowly. That way you don't do it too fast or too slow. You got to stay on people's minds. Yeah. And, uh, but not do, you know, blow your load too early. So we, but, we've kind of had discussions about that. And, you know, I want <laughs> to. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. But, but the, the smart thing to do is. The smart thing to do is what CJ has said and Paulette has said is to let's hold back and have a timeline, you know, and get the stuff done kind of on a timeline. So, so there's gonna 
is the idea to release yeah. a single every couple months. We recorded three the okay. first round, and we had some t- studio time set up in July um, that we kind of decide, decided we may move that, um, or may or may or not, I don't know. I may go in and do the guitar work. I'm kind of thinking about maybe using that slot to just go do all the guitar work for like four or five songs. And then I think maybe a month later, we were going to go in and do another round. So the plan would be coming out of end of uh, August, maybe to have seven, eight songs done and completely recorded. So we can have maybe a CD completely packaged by early fall. Yeah. Okay. That'd be ideal. So, you know, we'll see. We've got three done. And uh, we've got three or four other songs ready to kind of queued up and ready to go. So I think it's all doable. It's just about being disciplined and continuing being excited about like, okay, well, we we were excited. We wrote these songs when we went and played our show, first show. Is like, let's not lose that momentum. Ooh. Now we got to continue that excitement to continue to create exactly. and build and, and work. And, and not get stagnant. Work on yeah. new songs because... In this world nowadays, nobody cares about full records. They want singles every 90 days. Now, yeah. You know now. what I mean? So yes. we're 30 days in on our first single, our second single maybe in the next month or so. You know, Can we keep a cadence up where every two or three months we're releasing a new single or a new video? Or a video, right. That's we're really what we want to do. That's the new work. It's, it's kind of like we went back to like the malt shop. Remember, they would just release singles and put them on a 45 and put them in a jukebox in 1945 yeah. in the 50s and the 60s. We're almost back to that. Now, bands, yeah. they just put out a single. And it's then, a few months later, another single and another single. We're back to that model. With the, the, the age of a full-length album that you wait and you listen to from start to finish and you read all the liner notes and you look at all the photos. I love all that stuff. That's too, done. Though. This generation doesn't do that. Right. <laughs> That's over with. We, we got to love, live it and experience it. That's over with. So we've got to create a cadence where we're writing in a manner where we can keep up with single releases every few months, in my opinion. Yeah, because if, if you put out an album tomorrow, next week, you know, half the people are going to forget it. But yeah, if you put out a single like, in a couple cares? months, and you're always on their mind. Yeah. Exactly. No, yeah. I mean, now to show people like buy your CD and walk away with it, they have something tangible. Right. That's cool. But... And you're going to want to buy our CDs because every single song, I'm telling you, is going to, you're going to want to listen to every song over and over. They're all different, and they're all just so catchy. They're ready They're ready for radio. We're radio hit. Radio ready. We are. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm all for writing songs that people can connect with. And, you know, I appreciate Adam's ability to, to, to perform that and, and deliver that and write that as well. And the band coming together and doing that because at the end of the day, that's what, why, why else are we doing it? I don't want to be like some artist that's like, my art is just mine. <laughs> and I don't care if you like it or not. I'm not that guy. I want a million people to like what we're doing, you know? Right. So I don't understand that mentality. We want people to dig what we're doing. Yes, it's got to be connected personally and we got to believe in it, but. At the end of the day, we'll deliver songs that actually people care about and they want to listen to. So the, the songs you've recorded so far, did you self-record, self-produce, or is anyone no. else involved in this? No, we should mention our band, Adam Woods at Oakwood Studio. 
He is a beast. Dude, everybody that has heard our recordings so far that we've, you know, sent them to or had them listen to, they said crystal clear. They could hear every word. The music is impeccable. This, yeah, he's great. this guy has the great the great setup and he's in jeans. He's yeah. not far. And he's the a rate, tremendous rate musician of his own. He is. He's in a mixtape catastrophe, and he's played with some other bands. Outline and Color. He's yep, on so. tour right now with Outline and Color. Yeah. Okay. The guy yeah, is, he's the guy awesome. is killer. He's, he records really well. You know, he sit, sits down with you and, and does everything. Does a couple takes as far as vocals go. Do a couple takes, listen to it, figure out which ones you want. Well, this one's not that good. Let's, let's nix that one. But it's a fast process, too. When he records drums... He's recording them and doing the editing and getting them on, on the you know on the um, the grid like immediately. So it, yeah, it's a really fast process. The recording process was so nice, I, right? Just from past experience, I I was already stressed going in. I, I just I don't like the studio. It's just it was it was always a stressful experience, and this was just I felt like it was over like that. Just like that, we're done. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, this sounds awesome too. Yeah. You know, so it was just, it was fun. It was, yeah, he was really, really helpful. Yes, and he's easy it. to work with. Yeah, yeah. He's he asked us to send him uh, either audio or video in advance of the clips, and so when we showed up, he had already gridded everything out. So when he we knew the BPMs and everything, when so. we recorded it, he's like, you guys. We're within, you know, like one. It's like you guys are pretty close to being, you know, perfect on the grid as it is. So it's going to be easy process. But he had it all mapped out already in terms of the song. He already knew the songs, kind of knew the dynamics, knew what to expect. And when it came to recording the process, it came very easily. And then when it got to like the vocal section, like I was blown away. He's got this little keyboard. Yeah. And he's got a mic right here. And like he's and he's telling Adam, Adam of course can sing anything, so he's like, well, hum this, sing this, and he's he like plays this thing on a keyboard, and Adam sings this line for for the harmonies, yeah, yeah. and for, does like I didn't know exactly multiple where the layers, multiple layers, it was layers. it was, it was, very it was cool. amazing to watch, and yet yeah, we just really can't recommend him enough, yeah. In some parts, Oakwood it was like Studios, four James, part yeah. four part harmonies, awesome. and it was yeah, and he, he was like sing this. Adam and then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to do my vocal harmonies. Oh, you got to get the, the Britney Spears auto tune out because, you know. But you know what? Whenever you sing those harmonies, at first I was a little iffy on them. Was, but the what he did with those, and I can't hear the song without them now. I absolutely cannot hear the songs without them. Because I'm, I'm waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I, and I sing your parts too mm-hmm. whenever I'm listening to it in the, in the truck or whatever. I'm like, I know I got that little red <laughs> riding hood voice. It's, it's just, like, it's just that dynamic and that you know it just it's just right. I don't know. But at first I was a little iffy about it because I heard you actually record it. I was there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what song it was, but we almost I almost got one. That's song why I'm not lead singer, bro. He I don't. He said he's been doing this for like what 11, 12 years, like recording. And he's only had one drummer one other time, like, do one take. And I 
almost did it. Yeah. Almost. I made one little mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I caught it. <laughs> yeah. no, it was great. But that's where we recorded. He's tremendous. And uh, that's we've got sessions booked with him. Super cool. We guy. want to do the whole yeah. record with him. And he's not, we're the, not 90, the only one. He's not the $99 guy. So if you're looking for cheap, that ain't him. But he is quality. So quality. is he record? I mean, is he. Producing as well as he offering input, or is this yeah, he offered that. recording yeah. engineering type? So thing? he told us like yeah. some bands come to him and they write the song. They're there. like they have an idea, and he he can help them package it, produce it, and get everything as is. He can record without drums. Like I could I could go in and record everything, and, and he put in computerized kind of drums and and figure that out. And I said, well, we're a little more old school. You know, BT and I like to play together. So we're going to come in and cut drums first. And so he's very flexible in how you want to approach it from the modern approach. It's a little more, in my view, sterilized, but perfect. Or like what we do is a little more organic, not perfect, but has some like personality to it. You know, so he can do anything. He's very talented. We were were really, really blown away. He can't take out the chirps of CJ's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I found out what the chirps were, Adam. So next time, not going to happen. We recorded one song, and there's these little, like, micro, like, phonics chirps All through the pings, whole song. Yeah. It's this pinky ring. <laughs> so it was like, it would, every once in a while, clip the high E string on my guitar and be like, it's the craziest thing. We so we chased it. You know like, try in the recording, like, what the fuck? the hell is that sound? <laughs> and he did all he could to try to like, you know, and sort of me like re-recording everything, like get it out of there. But yeah, it was this. The other night, <laughs> Saturday night. He and heard it again. Yeah, he yeah, saw yeah, it. He heard the song. Yeah. I looked at him like, did you hear it? I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just nodding yes. It's just that, that <laughs> pinky ring goes across that high heat string and just, it's like a harmonic. It's a weird, like, I can't even describe it. It's just a high-pitched chirp. Yeah. So in July, you got to remind him to take, take the Yeah, off. the next recording, it. it's out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like a when your fire detector has a low battery and you hear the little. Oh, yeah, right. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so are you? You manage Fist of Rage, or are you managing Downstar Ride as well? Well, technically, kinda... my management fell out when I became the bassist. But no, yes. Oh. So I'm not managing Dinosaur Riot. Okay. I am um, I am leading the booking on Dinosaur, and we are available for booking. And contact us at uh, Dinosaur Riot at Gmail. Dinosaur Riot Band. Dinosaur Riot Band at Gmail dot com for booking, and also you can also contact Fist of Rage at Fist of Rage nine one eight at Gmail. <laughs> You know, I think that with this group of people, we all have influences in our lives. And so if anyone can bring someone to the table or open a door for us, I think we're all welcome to them. Mm. And the same thing goes with Fist. You know, this point in Fist has been going at it since 2007, so 2006, technically. You know, um, whatever doors can be opened by anyone is a welcoming thing at this point from any band member. Well, being in two bands at the same time, I know like Fist awesome. Rage is playing this weekend. Yes. 
Rocky River? Yeah. Like what? I mean, is it easy to balance so far? Or? So far, <laughs> it has been. And I know that there are toes that I cannot step on on either parties. So it has been a balancing act. And part of being able to book both bands has been that helps me juggle both. Um, but I find myself in a disposition where I want to book both bands for the same event. Right. And... Even though I think both bands would be okay with it, I think that they're also kind of like, you know, frowning a little bit. Like, do I, do they want their bases playing back to back, you know, in the same sets? So now I'm booking for events where Fist can play one night and Dinosaur Riot can play the other night and balance that out. But ultimately, it's. No, 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 no. You don't get her tonight. We get her. That's right. I'm sure he brings a little more influence too, right? So CJ does, <laughs> and Adam brings a lot of influence, and Brian's got influence. He just hasn't tapped into it. Yet. <laughs> no, he did. Yeah, well, the the the, the KMOD stuff definitely, I think, has been a big, yeah. a big influence from him. No, 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 no doubts. But shout out to Brady, bring, keep yeah. playing us, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's a battle of the bands from Rock, Oklahoma, just go ahead and automatically <laughs> put us on that saying. bill. Yeah, I heard they're not doing that. They're not. Yeah, promotion issues or something. Lame. That's what I heard. Yeah, and you guys, I guess, started this band what a couple months, a little too late. Too late to hit up. Oh, Burgess. Yeah, we did hit him up. (laughs) But let's just throw one more out there. Doug Burgess, he's a sponsor, isn't he? At Thunder in the Ground. Yes, he is. (laughs) Doug, let's get Dime Store Riot out there from Rockahoma. Come on, man. Any band drop off? First in line. Yeah, first in first line. line should be. I mean, we should already just, just he call knows. us after the. After he knows we, we 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 promote and market his shows like nobody else. And, we love Doug. Right. We'd love to do another show with him, and I'm sure we will soon. And no. he loves us. He just doesn't know it yet. That's oh, right. So. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes for TLP, and that goes for uh, DCF. <laughs> that goes for every single. Promoter out there that puts on shows. We love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> What's a hardworking band? You know, that's been refreshing. And, and, and having members that are, are excited about what we're doing and will bring people and market the shows. And, and you know, it's, 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 it makes a difference. It really does. You just, unfortunately, at this level, we don't have PR firms. We don't have, you know, marketing resources at our fingertips that are taking care of everything. You got to do it. You got to get out there and talk to people and message people and follow up and make an effort to get people to come to things because there's so many things pulling people's attention nowadays. So you want to come to your shows, you want to come support your band, you want to buy your merch, then you got to be out there competing for that attention. And this band definitely has no shortage of of energy. That's true. Have you guys announced any? I know you mentioned Rock the Equinox, right? Mm-hmm. Have you guys announced anything else you're doing? We you have another booked show for- booked before Rock the Equinox. Do we? We yes. do. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> news to your <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> we do. Uh, I'll let one of them. Oh, uh, well, so, yeah, well. Not you. I was looking at them. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> what you guys got? Oh, you don't you remember what shows we booked? <laughs> I absolutely don't. 
<laughs> so I yeah. forgot to. <laughs> we gotta, so we're going on tour in Europe. I got a lot of No, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah, I, Yet. my intention is everywhere. So, <laughs> so I think September 23rd, that weekend, we're we're going to be one of the support acts for Josie Scott. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, you remember now. I remember now. I remember now. Hey. And, uh, I'll shelter in place and then whatever else they round out the lineup with. I, I haven't heard Is that. Is that Venue Shrine? Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Venue Shrine. Yeah. 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 So, September 23rd is that. And then the following weekend, we will be at Rock the Equinox. That's right. On that Saturday. Shout out to Lori. Early. Shout out so, to Lori. That's yeah. right. We will play early that day, but um, that's what's coming up. And, you know, we haven't decided if we're going to really push for anything in, in July and August before then. Um, so if we do, you know, wait and see. But I know we. I want to get in the studio, and I think we've talked through some strategies on that. And that's the main thing is to try to get some a few more songs recorded. And if a cool show comes along, then great. I'm think, hoping a, a show comes open at the Vanguard just because it's an all-age venue. Oh, for oh, sure. You know, yeah. there's, I would like to get some more younger crowd in there to hear this. So. Yeah. I feel the same That's a cool venue just to play no matter what. So. Yeah. We can make that happen, Brian. Let's make that happen. All right. <laughs> and then once we get the CD, then I think it's, you know, let's start branching out. Let's go to... Fort Smith and Fayetteville and Wichita and then Kansas City and Dallas and you can slowly start making the, the circle around the whole the region but we need something to be able to market a little more yeah I remember one time I talked to you about grinding you mentioned only doing a few shows a year in Tulsa is mm-hmm. that kind of the idea you're thinking about yeah here same so it's way more of an event type thing or? same way I mean now as a new band it's a little different we, we need a lot of eyes on the band. Right. You, you got to get out there and let people see and hear you. So this first year, we're open to taking maybe a few more shows than maybe a, a more established band like a Fist of Rage or Grind or a Driver would have been. But, you know, once you kind of get some establishment people have seen and heard you, then, yeah, I think that's the smart strategy is really to kind of pull it back and, and yeah. be very selective locally about what you do. Yeah. But right now... You got a cool show heads up. We might we might be willing to do it. <laughs> well, let's talk about you for a minute, real quick, before you change subject back to us. Yeah. <laughs> you said earlier this was your eighth eighth year. Yeah. Eighth year. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, Mid Bay was the You're anniversary the man. of the first episode. So, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: What do you think has been your most your biggest interview? And I got follow up. Gene Simmons. Simmons. What's been your like favorite interview? No, I get asked that a lot. I can't really. There's several that I like. Okay, I mean, what's your most memorable interview? Then that'd be favorite. What's your what's one of your more memorable? Well, probably this, probably Gene Simmons as well. But I mean, my favorites are probably like Shooter Jennings because I feel like that's the first. That was like episode sixty something, Mm -hmm. and it was the first one where I felt like. We sat down and it was like a natural conversation. It right. wasn't just like question, answer, question, answer. Right, right. You know, with like a known artist type thing, you know, we're not getting nervous and just, okay, you know, blah, blah. But Reed Mullen from COC mm-hmm. was a really cool experience. Um, He's a bass player? 
He was the drummer. The drummer. Oh, yeah. passed away. Yeah. Um, oh, that's cool. I'm trying to think of other top ones. The one I just did with Dean Castronova a couple months ago from Journey was like extremely cool. Love Journey. Doesn't he hate yeah. the guitar player though? What was your worst? Dude? No, they're like good. That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the keyboard uh, player. Uh, yeah, it's a keyboard player. But they're <laughs> okay. still in the band together. They just, I have lost some against political you. issues. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, like one of them's a Trump supporter, one of them's not. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, who's been your, from the Misfits? Who's okay. been your, <laughs> who's been your most frequent guest? Um, Damon Johnson. Oh, I'm not in the running. You're close. No, I need to count it, but I think you're right. I think you guys are like. Do you remember how many times? Five or six now. I mean, I did the kiss thing. I did the Evan Halen thing. Yeah, I mean, you got me beat on two of those. But I went and actually and only got a to couple it. times. I was Co- like a, I was a, I was a covert on a fist of rage one. <laughs> got to count them all, man. I'm not your most. No, I'll count them up. You're close. Yeah, if not, you might be. Yeah, that's great. But I know there's a few. There's several people that are like four, five, six. But I don't think anyone's been on here seven. You might be seven, so. I'm going to count it before I do it. record That'd the rest the of this greatest. so I can let yeah. you know on when, when this Just let me come sit in on somebody so I can get the, I can get the demo. <laughs> got it. Right. Not with the record. Hey, but I got an audio clip in, so there's that. Oh. The <laughs> I know you did the one. The moist one? Moist. Right. Yeah. yeah. I did that in a few times. <laughs> yes, I've heard it. <laughs> we did the one with uh, Donnie V from... Yeah. And that was enough. Well, yeah. And then she stumbled and into then, uh, the, that's my the, favorite. the Bullet Boys The one. Bullet Boys interview. When you guys <laughs> and then he walked up, started talking, just stopped yeah. sitting there talking, and she just walks into the interview like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm calling for Fitz He had a lighter. <laughs> he had a lighter. <laughs> wow. Sure did. Shame on me. But yeah, Doyle from the Misfits was the, really? the worst. That was Why the worst? So? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to ask you because I, I didn't oh, want to put you on the spot, but if you're willing to say it, then hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think me and Jason talked about it a couple of times. I, I remember you right telling me first. like he was mad because he thought it was a video and yeah. got all painted up. and Yeah, he was just pissed. <laughs> he was about to kick your ass. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like It was all his, uh, his tour manager's fault because I told the publicist that it was an audio podcast. And then we got there and his tour manager was like, you guys have a camera? I'm like, no, it's audio only. And she just kind of looked kind of dumbfounded. And then, like, she, she's like, I'll be back. She comes back, like, five minutes later. She's like, okay, I can take you back. You guys don't have a camera. Like, she just said it again. And I was like, no, it's audio only. She's like, okay. And she just doesn't even tell him this and just walks in. And he's all, like, tying his shoes real fast, like, ready to go. And, and he's like, this isn't video. I'm like, no, I told everybody it was audio. And so he's, like, super pissed because he just busted his ass for 30 minutes. Oh. <laughs> getting his stage gear on, like, yeah. Couple hours early, so he could do this video podcast. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, he just that. flew through the quick. About ready to kick both yeah. you and Jason's ass. Like, yeah, we had like folks. fifteen questions because <laughs> the guy's short answers anyway from other interviews I'd seen, and he just barreled through them. It was like four or five minutes long. Wow. So at the end, I was just like, "Okay, thanks." He's like, "That's it." I'm like, "Yeah." And then he said again, "I can't believe this." I thought this was video. I'm like, so I just at this point, I'm like, it's like a you should have interviewed him. <laughs> you should have interviewed him about. Well, how does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah. Why do you feel that? Dr. Phil. No, he's like, I'm like, I've told your publicist and your tour manager three times that this was not video. Now, so and how I many stood things, up to him and told him that. He's I like, know oh, Stu- okay, I'm sorry. I know, you told me one time Stuart Hamm blew you off, but who else has blown you off that you've, 
you've had interviews oh, set up with. They've all been pretty specific. good. I mean, I've had ones canceled, but no one, like, technically just, like, just no-show like, it. No or, shows yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had a few, like, no-show a Zoom or something, and then all of a sudden I'll message their publicist and they'll get in contact with them and I'll have forgot or didn't write mm-hmm. it down or something. But then they'll come through later. So do you travel like, to them? Do I what? Do you travel to them or do you meet them at shows or... Well, I do a lot of them around here. Like, like, like Gene Simmons, did you do him like Zoom? That was, or no, that was, was in here. person. In yeah. person? Where was that? When, when he you... played uh, Pecola? No, not Pecola. It was, it it was, was some a, casino. It was thing. a casino in okay. North Oklahoma. Okay. I remember that. It was going to be the Kiss Casino. Okay. That I don't think they ever made into the Kiss Casino. <laughs> wow. But he did a solo performance. So that's why it was easier to get to him. Yeah. And uh, Sunshine was the oh. the promoter. So I just hit her up directly the day, like literally the day before, because I hadn't even thought of it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? If, if he's doing press, I mean, you know, I just stopped, you know, Dude, that's a wild hookup right there. Shot in the dark. And she called me like five minutes later and said, if you can be here at like 4 p.m. Shout out to mm-hmm. Sunshine. I haven't yeah. seen her yeah. in forever. Yeah. But love you, Sunshine. That's awesome. So, yeah. I, one, of my, one of your more memorable interviews to me was the B. Snyder one. That was a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That dude's something else. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good one. That's one of those dudes you could just ask, like, four questions. He would just be like, like, (laughs) yeah. Kind of like me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not quite as famous as he is. Hell yeah. No, I enjoyed that one. Glenn Hughes was another one that was, like, memorable to me, at least, because I think he's the greatest that ever lived, pretty much. (laughs) Next to Adam Raymond. Yeah. Well, hey, man, you guys are... (laughs) You know, I say you guys because it started with you and Jason, but I know at this point it's transitioned to mainly you, but you guys have done great. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's been that. awesome yeah. to watch you from like the first time that I knew who you guys were when you came to a grind show and I'm like, who are these guys? Oh, these are Thunder Underground guys. And then to see your stuff show up, you know, spread, spread across the internet with Blabbermouth and all these other publications, man. I'm proud of you, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Sure. For sure. You guys have done some cool stuff. You've had some cool interviews that have made some, made some news and that's, that's awesome, man. I'm proud of you. Yeah. And I'm still pushing myself if you ever need a female co-pilot. Like, I'm not here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You want a co-host. She's yeah. got you covered. <laughs> yeah. The first time I think I saw Grind was opening for Karate, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, it was early on. And Grind, yeah. like, that was a very early show for that man. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting you guys yeah. and not knowing who you guys were and probably just nodding a lot. Like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we became all homies. And, um, yeah, you guys have done great, man. You've done a great, not only on local coverage, regional coverage, but you branched out and really brought in some big, big acts, man, in terms of uh, people you've interviewed. So something to be very proud of. Very cool. Thank you. That was the Karabi show at Downtown Lounge. Yeah. yeah. That was an accidental show for all of us. We were booked to play, and uh, Jake had given me the reins of putting that show together. And then he called me and said, uh, so change of plans. And he's like, how would you feel if, you know, the lineup you have opened for Karabi. And I'm like, well, because we were, this was supposed to be the headliners. And I'm like, well, of course, 
So we got to, you know, inadvertently, all of us got to come open for Karabi, and none of us were really expecting Not it. only Karabi, but Karabi <laughs> playing that 94 yeah. Molly record. Yeah. Yeah. In the downtown lounge. In a hundred person capacity. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it was like, my gas for in. That was very cool. Show. That was yes. awesome. And I'm pretty sure you guys were mad at me for that show because <laughs> no, another band no. came and got to. No, what happened was Jake. Saw Dell Diver and I and was like, Why are you guys opening? Mm-hmm. You guys should be deep on the lineup. I'm going to go address all this. And so it wasn't us. It was Jake. <laughs> it was Jake. But again, the show had been put together prior to knowing we were going to bring on Robbie, you know. So then after telling everyone the spots they're playing, I can't back out, you know. It was just a, <laughs> and it was early on in my booking days. I would have flushed a couple of them bands. After, <laughs> after, after hearing now, them, I would have flushed them back way down the pipeline. <laughs> I just remember, yeah, there was one band on the bill that like was... They were terrible. Like touring, right? And they, they were, just like yes. jumped in their vein and took off yeah. as soon as they finished playing. Yeah, I remember they had that. I just remember that for some reason. Their drummer was, <laughs> she was like 16 years old. And so, yeah. It was okay. It was a great show. We had a good time. It was good. That's another one of my favorites is Karate. Yeah, Karate. Yeah, he's, he's, great. Great. Like he's another storyteller. Years later, but he's a storyteller yeah. from, you ask him a question, same yeah. thing, you're going to get it. Yeah, that was like an hour and 20 minutes. And I'm, I'm like not used to going to a venue a and it's lasting that long with yeah. the touring artist because it's like 15, 20 minutes because he got on the ship, dude. Right. He just sat there and just, I avoided ever asking anything about Molly Crew because I love that guy so much. I know a million other things. And he brought it up and talked about it for like 20 minutes without me even bringing it up. <laughs> I discovered him through Scream, you know, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And thought that you know that man in the moon song is just yeah. phenomenal. Even to this day, is still one of just a great That's song. Great. Yeah, I didn't. What I did not know until many, 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 many years later is that most of that band was from Racer X. Yeah, that blows my mind. That that's <laughs> Racer X behind him playing that band. Yeah, but he's had a great career. Even. You know, and then he's when we saw when we played with him that night at, at Downtown Lounge, and he came in. That first power to the music, he come in with those vocals. It was like, that's what a rock star is supposed to sound like. Yeah. This guy is phenomenal. It was so great. Yeah. I'm so glad we all got to see him in such a small place because it was so good. And his son was, was the drummer. Right. And I told him as, as they're setting up, I was like, hey, you know, if you want to set this out, I know this album front to back, I'll, set, I'll replace you right now. So he's, so he's like, well, now I'm going to be a little nervous. I'm going to keep watching you. Yeah, that kid said he was practicing day in and day out to be sure that he was on top yeah. of his... It's so funny because that record just bombed yeah, in the 90s. So but today, like, when you, All of us fans are just like when that you record talk to was so great. About Motley, everyone says that's their best album. Agreed. And I'm like, I don't understand why they just it's everyone a good record, shit man. on it when it came. Yeah, it's yeah. just well, the one that's it was the initial reaction. You had the grunge uh, thing. It was the name only, only yeah. and it wasn't Vince, and it just people just were just not into that kind of music I mean, right then. Uh, yeah, to me, to this. I mean, it actually, the music wise, I think would have fit. Because, you know, that was the middle of grunge and it was heavier. I like that. I love it. They should have just had a little more faith. Because it was the name Motley Crue, I think, is what doomed him. Yeah. I was going to put out at least one more album with him. But 
Well, well, the next record. There's music out there that's. Of course, I was going to say, according yeah. to John Karabi, the next record he wrote exactly. half of it and played on half yeah. of it. So yeah. And he recorded at, like all that Generation yeah. Swine, but it never. A lot of that like Generation that. Swine stuff was his stuff, yeah. but just wasn't him singing. Yeah, yeah a friend of mine who was a drummer as well thinks that Power to the Music is Tommy Lee's greatest performance ever. Really? What would you think? That's yeah. a big Tommy Lee fan. His, his drum sound, like every song is just, like, to me, that's my favorite album that he's ever done. Like, everything after that has just been kind of just mediocre. Like, he's not putting 100% into it. That album, I felt like he was just pulling from everything and just put everything about him into that album. And, like, even that was my first time I seen Motley live was when they played that tour at, at Mohawk Park. <coughs> yeah. Um, and I was like, why can everything after that, like the sound, like just, it was just so big, if that makes any sense. It was just, it was just a big sound that he, he brought. Side note, I heard an interview with Bob Rock a few years ago where he said that when they were recording a black album, mm-hmm. Lars told him that he wanted his drums to sound like Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. He's like, but just don't, he's like, don't tell anybody this. Also, so he waited like the, 25 years. So the production on that record was <laughs> also, great too. What, what was cool is, uh, so we were talking about the dirt earlier I, and I have a Tommy Land, I read that book and he was talking about when he was engaged to Prince's ex-wife and she was telling him that Prince, when he wanted his drum sound, he wanted, after the Dr. Philbin album came out, he's, he's like, I want all my drum sounds to sound like that yeah. album, the drums on that album. Yeah, that was such a <laughs> and, well-produced record. And Tommy was just like blown away, like, yeah. what, Prince likes my sound? And, <laughs> like he had, I mean, he performed. Yeah. He didn't have anything to do with the production. Just, yeah. Right. No, it was a great sound, man, without a doubt. Bob Rock was a, he was the man back then. So, before we cut, you heard the single. What's your thoughts on it? What does that remind you of? Anything? It, I mean, at, at first, a great question. Yeah. <laughs> when I first heard it, it slightly reminded me of Stone of a Pilots, not vocal-wise at all, mm-hmm. music-wise. <laughs> but then again, I think that is YouTube, because I kind of mm-hmm. got that from Grind a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Same thing music-wise. Mm-hmm. But just... I just love the fact that it's so groovy, yet the vocals are so melodic and huge. It's just, it's hard to really compare it to someone, even though it's like, it sounds familiar, but it doesn't sound familiar at the same time. That makes That's sense. a good thing. Yeah. That's a great way to describe yeah. it. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll accept your answer. And I didn't even think about it. You know, you mentioned Alter Bridge earlier, and now that you said that, I can instantly kind of hear that as well. Oh, Miles Campbell. I've heard it from yeah. several people. Yeah, I've yeah. heard it also. Like, uh, there's a couple of guys at my gym. I'm like, hey, you need to go. We we finally released this. Go check it out. And uh, you know, the next time I seen them, they're like, "Yo, your singer sounds like Miles Kennedy." And I was like, "You yeah. will like that. Yeah. I think you'll like that." Yeah, I mean, people want to compare it to something they know. Yeah. You know, I think Adam has his own voice, but it's just natural. What are you, com- what are you going to compare it to? I mean, it, I don't know. I wouldn't 
hate being compared to Miles Kennedy if I was a singer. I mean, oh, that was a tremendous singer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that just kind of shows the, the power of, of the melodies and the, and the, the power of his voice that's coming through. So that's great. But we definitely heard that. I was just curious what you thought. Well, final question for you. Have you convinced him to do a cover of Long Way to Love yet? Oh my God, he would kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should add that. Maybe I can convince this band to do that. We did a cover at the first show. So shout out to the revolutionaries from Little Rock, Phil Houston. We covered his song, um, um, Pop Rocks, and uh, Adam killed it. You know, it's a great melodic song. So we've talked about adding a cover here and there just to kind of have in your back pocket every once in a while. We want to be an original band. I think we, I felt good, better about doing that than a more well-known song because it's a local band. Agreed. You know, so it wasn't like we're doing some commercial band and we're trying to like, I'm not talking shit about Bad Wolves if anyone's going to hold that against me, but I never heard of them dudes until they played that zombie song. You know what I mean? I'm like, we're not trying to like ride on somebody that's already established some very well-known song. Right. So the cover song we picked was a not a well-known song. But it's a great song. A and song that fucking killed it. Hated by the guitar. <laughs> by the <yeah. laughs> Matt Payton, the, the ex guitarist. Well, he's not the original, original guitar. Well, true, but he was he was with him for well, a time. Matt, he, I love you, but yeah, you're just you wrong. Too, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're wrong. It's a great song, Phil. Yeah, it keep, is. Keep saying it. It's a killer song. It's so a great song. If if the Revolutionaries aren't going to do it anymore. You know, we were like, that song needs to continue to be heard. So, And we got their permission to do it. And, you know, we founded We Are Tulsa Tribute, where we bring in all the local bands and have them cover other local bands. And it wouldn't hurt my feelings any if we continued with that and brought in other local cover songs. Because there are so many great, talented bands in this town. I've got some local local bands that are not around anymore that I would love to do covers from those. I, I would love if people were, oh, if you guys were open to that. I mean, uh, Nothing Can Last by John Halai. Oh, gosh. No. Like, that song, okay. to me, is, I mean, it's right up there with Alice in Chains, man. That song is killer. But I spoke with his wife uh, a couple of years ago because I, I wanted to do something with it, and she was not receptive to that, so... Unfortunately, you know, I don't know the legalities of, of doing something against, you know, the surviving spouses, um, you know, against what they really want, their wishes. So, but it's, it's, it's a shame that that song has to die with him because, and all of his music, but, uh, it was such a beautiful song that I thought it was definitely something very special. That's, yeah. that's why I went to their shows. I literally went to hear that one song. And not to, not to, you know, poo-poo on the rest of their stuff, but, like, that was the song that, that drew me to them. So I, that's why I always went. And, and I had a real connection with that song. And, I, you know, now that he's passed away, I would hope that, you know, somebody or, or some way it would continue yeah. on. So that's my we'll opinion. i to talk to her more about that. Yeah. Maybe she's more receptive now. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well... Anything else you want to throw in before we call this a, a wrap? I'm good. All right. 
I think that's Great. it. I appreciate you guys doing this. It was yeah. good to thanks, thanks for having us. us. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about this band and looking forward to see yes. where you guys are going. Follow us on Facebook. And Instagram. Instagram. and Instagram and all that stuff. We need Facebook followers because, you know, everybody looks at the numbers. So Go out yeah. there. You can find Coldest Winter on any streaming platforms. It's out there. And share it. Buy it. Share it. Like it. Love it. All of that good stuff. Yep. And you guys have merch already? We do. We do. Okay. We, have, we have shot glasses and we have t-shirts. We have band photos. Tank tops. Tank tops. Stickers and pics. We've got more merch to come as we... And use drum heads. Use drum heads. <laughs> those, those will always Sign. be a thing. <laughs> right. Right on, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank yep. you. So, That's if you right. want any tickets for the Josie Scott show for September 23rd, you can get online and find them probably anywhere through the Shrine. I'm sure they've got a website. Or you can get with us for tickets. And then September 29th and 30th is Rock the Equinox, and we are playing the 29th. And then Fist of Rage. Wait, no. We're playing the 30th. That's right. We're playing Saturday the 30th. And Fist of Rage is playing the 29th. I'm oh, so <laughs> <laughs> out there, too. Heck yeah. And you need to get us back in the studio, by the way, Trent. I know. It's been quite a while. It's going to have to happen. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Right. We just said our goodbyes, but you can't take that with you. I I stole, (laughs) for those of you that are listening, I stole Ace Fraley's picture off his wall that he has autographed. I'm taking this with me. I've been trying to steal this thing for a minute. I'm doing it. There you go. Brian, Adam, Paulette, and CJ of Dime Store Riot. A huge thank you to all four of them to, for coming by and sitting down and talking to, for, to me for quite a while about everything this great new band has going on. Everything we can look for coming here in the future. Look them up on Facebook, Dime Store Riot. Give them a follow. They're on Instagram. It's dime underscore store underscore riot underscore. So there you go, Dime Store Riot with the three underscores in there as well. Give them a follow. Download that song, Coldest Winter, and look for all this great stuff coming soon. Look for the shows coming up. They've got, like they said, Rock the Equinox. They also have a show with Josie Scott, like they mentioned, coming up later this fall. They recently had their debut show at the Shrine. It was nearly sold out, as they talked about there in the episode. For those of you that did get a chance to see it, I've seen some videos. It looked like an amazing time. Can't wait to see them live and check them out. See everything this band has going on. So for those of you that are just now listening because you're fans of Dime Store Riot and haven't listened throughout the years, like I said there early on, there's so many artists that have been on here throughout the eight years. 378 episodes or 77 episodes prior to this one that you could check out. You know, we recently had on Phil Lewis of LA Guns came back. For a second time, he was on here before Tracy Guns as well. He also had one recently with Dean Castronova, the drummer of Journey, the drummer of Bad English and Hardline. Used to be Ozzy's drummer as well. That was a really, really fun one. Terry I. Lou from Great White and XYZ was on here not that long ago. Greg Upchurch, the drummer for Three Doors Down. Let me think. Robin McCauley has been on here three or four times now. Frank Hannon. From Tesla has been on here four times. Brian Weed of Tesla has been on here. I've also had on Todd Kearns of Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. 
Justin Foley and Mike D, both of Killswitch Engage, have been on here separate times. Lejean Witherspoon and John Connolly, both of Seven Dust, have been on here at separate times. Mike Dean and Reed Mullen, both of Crozier and Conformity, were on here at separate times. Um, Trevor from the Black Dahlia Murder was on here a couple years ago. Josie Scott, like I mentioned a minute ago, from Saliva was on here last fall. We also had on R.J. Hill of Hellstorm, Russell Allen of Symphony X, John Waite. I mean, that's pretty wild. That's something I never thought I would be saying. John Waite was on here. That was a fun one. Vanilla Ice was on here once. That was extremely fun. It was an extremely weird night. Absolutely love telling that story to people. Let me think who else. Shooter Jennings, which is one of my favorite all-time episodes. Jim Wilson of Motor Sister has been on here five times now as well. Ty Tabor of King's X was on here about a year ago. John Cooper of Skillet. Jeff Tate, the original voice of Queensryche. Paige Hamilton of Helmet has been on here a couple times. Danko Jones has been on here. One of the most underrated rock and roll bands on this planet. Joe Cotella of Dead has been on here a couple times. Kevin Martin of Candlebox has been on here a couple times. Like I mentioned, DEB Concerts up front. Doug Burgess has been on here several times. Tim Ripper Owens has been on here. And speaking of that, Fist of Rage, who Paul Ed of Dime Store Riot is a member of, released a song with Ripper a couple years ago now. That's excellent. So look that up. Diamond Row of Tetrarch. Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. Robert Mason of Warrant. And Lynch Mob has been on here. Jordan Griffin of Them Evils. Trevor William Church of Haunt has been on here a couple of times. Members of Dirty Honey. Members of Saul. Members of Trapped. Saving Abel. Shine Down. Drowning Pool. If you like newer rock. If you like thrash metal, we've had on members of Megadeth, Testament, Death Angel, Toxic Holocaust. Fred Lecklerk of Creator has been on here. Three members of Hatebreed have been on here at separate times. I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, and let you know that Matthew Nelson of the Nelson Twins has been on here as well. So there you go. Deathunderground.com. You can listen to everything there. Wherever you're listening to this right now. Hit like, subscribe, or follow so you don't miss future episodes. And speaking of future episodes, another band that has been on here multiple times is Night Demon. Jarvis Leatherby will be returning on the very next episode for the fourth time, I believe it is. Very much looking forward to that. I recently talked to him on Zoom for a good hour, I think it was, probably. So, got a lot to talk about with what Night Demon has going on, what Jarvis has going on. So, look forward to that one coming up very soon. Also got a couple more that are scheduled. Let you know about those when they happen. But hey, I'm going to stop talking because this has been a lengthy episode. But again, I appreciate you listening to this episode. I appreciate if you listened to one other episode or 377 of other episodes. If you've been listening this whole time, you're amazing. If you just started, you're amazing. I hope you continue. Jason... I didn't mention that up front when I was talking about it, but Jason Noah was on here for over six years. He left coming up on about two years ago now. It was like late summer of 2021. He stepped away from the podcast, but he's come back now four or five times. 
and he actually will be back on here very soon on an episode where we're going to be talking about some recent music and concerts we went to and stuff. So look forward to that one coming up as well. So huge thank you to Jason, of course, for the inspiration to start this and all the years of doing this together. Once again, a huge thank you to Dime Store Riot, Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo. And until next time. Very nice. Hey, hey, edit that down as much as you need. There's a lot of two-hour podcast. Thunder Underground, y'all.